I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. It's Mike here with you once again with a bonus episode of the podcast during hiatus. Dave and I are taking a little break, as we mentioned, but we're still bringing you content that's kind of rebroadcast in a new form. And this topic today is a discussion topic that came from January of 2017, episode 13 of Sci-Fi Fidelity. And this was right when we were first starting the idea of doing a Super 6 discussion topic, which was basically taking six examples of whatever the discussion topic was. Dave would pick three and I would pick three. And this is the very first time we did that. And of course, that tradition has held true through the podcast into 2019. And we've enjoyed doing our discussion topic that way. And of course, we've also included listener feedback in that particular segment, which was a great way to add some involvement from our listeners. So this particular one has a topic that I thought was a really great one to start with. It's spaceships that acted as characters in space science fiction. So these were ships that were so unique and in some cases even had personalities, whether it be AI or otherwise, where they were their own characters. And so this was a kind of a unique topic to start with because you would think there wouldn't be that many examples of this, but there actually were quite a few. And in fact, we even had some honorable mentions. And I think what's really great about this topic as a rebroadcast podcast is that it kind of takes you back a little ways when dark matter was still on the air and Killjoys was just getting started out. Um, And of course, Killjoys does have a great spaceship character in Lucy. So we'll talk a little bit about her and some other ones from some classic examples that we like to return to again and again for these discussion topics. So let's go ahead and turn it over to Mike and Dave of the past to share their favorite spaceship characters from science fiction television. We're going to get right into it with spaceships as characters, completely spoiler free this part of the podcast because we're going deep into the past for some of these spaceships as characters, aren't we? Well, we are. And, you know, as I really sat down to look at my notes and the the shows that we're talking about, while the first one on the list, Farscape, is certainly well known among sci-fi fans. I got to be honest, Mike, I really never saw Farscape until maybe four or five years ago. Right. I think I even brought it to your attention because... I was renting the DVDs back when we did that sort of thing from Blockbuster to catch up on it. Yeah, neither one of us saw Farscape Live. But yeah, so um, we're going to go back and forth here. Dave's going to start here with Farscape, the iconic living ship Moya. Yes. Now, Moya is what's known as a Leviathan transport vessel. And as Mike just said, in fact, I think they say this in the intro tag on, on each episode, a living ship. Not only was Maya living, but she was a sentient 
biomechanical spaceship. So while she certainly had a personality, she didn't communicate verbally. No. The way many of these other ships that had onboard AIs would communicate. Right. In fact, the pilot was the main way of getting at what the ship actually wanted or felt or things like that. And I think we did get a little bit of that to give the ship a little bit more of a living feel, but it is made from biomass. Right. And, and, you know, you mentioned Pilot, and Pilot's certainly a character in his own right, was this little alien-looking creature that had been bonded with the Leviathan, and, and again, in this case, Moya. And there are certainly many Leviathan ships out there. In fact, they were so prized that, that many of them were commandeered by the peacekeepers who – I know Peacekeeper generally sounds like you would be the good guys, but in the Farscape universe, they're not really. But then again, one of the beauties of Farscape, like the beauty of a lot of sci-fi shows is the people you thought were the bad guys, maybe all of them aren't so bad after all and, yeah. and all that. Now, the other interesting thing about Moya is that in terms of weapons, she has none. The Leviathan's really only weapon, so to speak, is the ability to get away from danger via what was called the Starburst, which was, of course, an FTL system unmatched in the universe. So if they hit Starburst, you were not going to catch them. You were not going to find them. That's right. And uh, it's not something that I considered at the time to be something that was very common in the universe, at least that particular storyline that they had. It was it was a very unique situation that they were in. Right. Now, the other thing that was interesting, how we're introduced to Moya, is that she had been taken by the peacekeepers, and the peacekeepers would arrange these, I guess you would call them some sort of a harness, basically something to control them and keep them from going off on their own. And somehow when John Crichton's uh, ship crashed into uh, Farscape. I forget exactly how he ended up coming <laughs> on board, but it did something to dislodge it. And then suddenly Moya was free. And that, of course, opens up the whole series. But the other thing about Moya is that she's capable of producing an offspring. And, you know, during the course of the series, Moya becomes pregnant and we find out that she's actually giving birth to a hybrid, which was part of, again, surprise, surprise, some government genetic experiment so that she produced a Leviathan gunship hybrid. But as you might imagine, a hybrid of a gunship and a Leviathan <laughs> was just... I completely forgot about that plot line. So I'm so glad you brought that up because it's the perfect example to start this discussion topic with because I don't think they get more character-like than Moya, just from the standpoint of actually being a living being. And we're going to be talking about other ships that actually talk, but that's really kind of a cool aspect of it. Is it's There's no doubt about it being alive, like from the, is the AI really alive standpoint, but rather actual living biomass and the ability to reproduce as part of that. So Right, right. And, and in terms of a living being, as opposed to one of the ships that you're going to talk about, where one of the crew members is constantly banging on it with a <laughs> yeah. big metal well, wrench. And in fact, since you started with the classic answer to this question, and we're each going to do three, Dave and I, we're, this can be called, I don't know, the super six or something as we do this each month, we'll each pick three 
uh, examples of whatever the topic is. And you went old school, so I'm going to go old school with Firefly, uh, the show Firefly. The ship is actually called Serenity, of course. But I think it's very telling, even though this ship is not living, doesn't talk, doesn't have an AI associated with it. The show is called Firefly, and the movie is called Serenity. That's no mistake that it's called the same thing as the ship. Now, of course, you could argue that it's the family on that ship that is the reason they use the ship's name as the name. But Joss Whedon himself often referred to Serenity as the 10th character of the series. And in fact, there were some DVD extras that depicted that exact idea of the ship as a character. Right. Now, it was a Firefly class right. ship, right? which is where that came from. Uh, now, the other thing that was so cool, as you, you know, just mentioned, that you've got this group of people who are – nowadays, we, we might think of them as libertarians. They just want the government to leave them alone. Let me do my thing. I'll stay out of your way. You stay out of mine. They don't have much money, and this is basically the best ship that Malcolm Reynolds can afford – and he pulls the crew together and they just, you know. I'm not even sure if it's something that he can afford because he salvaged it. Oh, that's right. Right? That's right. Out of the, the salvage yard. Right. Malcolm Reynolds, played by Nathan Fillion, he used to be a sergeant serving on the losing side of a civil war that ended six years before the series began. And it's a story that was explored a little bit in flashbacks. But the story that we're told, if you put it together, is that he acquired Serenity from a used spaceship yard after the war. Uh, the episode Out of Gas depicted that whole thing. And so there was another episode, or I believe it was a different episode, might have been that same one, where you got to see the small crew that he put together to take various jobs to support himself and his wartime companion, Zoe. <laughs> I don't know. I remember her last name. but Washburn. Yeah, there you go. Her married name is yes. Washburn. <laughs> right. Hence, her husband, Wash, <laughs> exactly. pilot of the ship. But it was great because, of course, this relationship that the captain has with his ship, especially, it was something that was imitated later. And so we now we take it for granted as something that just happens in space dramas. But it wasn't always the case. And I, I do think that Firefly was one of the first shows to do that. Right. And, and just the verbal interplay, particularly between Kaylee, who was the ship's mechanic, and Nathan Fillion's character, Malcolm Reynolds, the ship's captain, about if you treat her right, she'll always you know, be there for you. Just as if, and again, that, that whole applying the a f- female persona right. to a ship. And as you said, the ship became the 10th character. I mean, we all recognized even a silhouette of Serenity, of this Firefly-class ship. And then, of course, they kind of made a name for themselves out on the outer edges of uh, the universe as they went about their business, both good and bad. Exactly. So those are a good place to start. But we also have some modern examples, you and I. So what do you got? for your second one well when you say modern (laughs) it's relative (laughs) when i say i came to stargate universe late i i mean like six months ago (laughs) because i came to stargate sg1 now i saw the movie near when it first came out but i didn't see the series until maybe about four years ago when i binged all 10 seasons and i never really got around to stargate universe i guess because 
I think it's five or six seasons, and and that seems somewhat daunting. <laughs> but I finally got into it, and I'm in season two. But you talk about ships that are really their own character, their own entity. The ship Destiny is really by itself, I think. Oh, yeah. In terms of just how old it is and how much those walls have seen. Yeah. I I mean, we may be talking a million years or so, but it's also one of several automated ships that were launched Basically, as they were trying to, the ancients, that is, were trying to populate the Stargates all across the universe. Now, look, of course, if you're not familiar with the Stargate universe. <laughs> You've been living under a rock. <laughs> yeah, but and this stuff doesn't mean anything to you. But the other interesting thing is it's got a Stargate on board the ship. Yeah, that was a unique aspect of it. And I guess the idea was for the ancients to eventually hop on the ship once all the Stargates had been seated. Isn't that right? And they just didn't get around to it because right. of what was going on in their history. Right. And then you've got this crew that ends up on this ship. They don't really know where they are. They figure it out as they're going along. And I mean, at the point I'm at in season two, they still haven't figured everything out and, Of course, some characters, one character, has figured things out that he's still keeping to himself. But unlike the Leviathan, which really had no weapons other than its ability to evade, Destiny's pretty powerful with weapon turrets, anti-fighter emplacements. But it's, as most of the ships are in the sci-fi universe, it's capable of faster-than-light travel. But... You know, it's got its own unique kind of propulsion system, not not your typical hyperdrive system. <laughs> no, not at all. But how can you argue that it's not a character of the show when it drives everything that the characters on the show do? Its existence is what allows the humans to continue to exist, too. So it's one of these things where if you're talking about all the iconic spaceships out there, certainly there are ones that are more iconic than Destiny. But few are as integral to the storyline and the plot of the show than a a ship like Destiny. Yep. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But I'm going to go with a more modern example that might be more controversial even than that one in terms of including on the list, because it's so recent. But it's inarguably a character, and that's Lucy from Killjoys. And for those of you who have been following this show from the very beginning, 
it didn't take long before we realized that Lucy, who is an artificial intelligence of the spaceship that's owned by the Killjoys team, sort of has a protective way about her when it comes to John Jacoby. And even though the ship technically is owned by Dutch, the leader of the three uh, members of that team, it's definitely noticeable that Lucy has preferential treatment for some people over others. Oh, oh, no question. And I think in terms of the modern ship, the talking ship, the ship's AI who has a personality of its own, Lucy's about as cool as they come these days. Right. And it's getting to the point now in the Killjoys fandom, or I say it's getting to the point as though it hasn't already been well established, that there's a ship angle, a relationship angle from the shipping standpoint between Lucy and John. I mean, people actually feel like they should be a couple in in the uh, sense of putting their names together and that sort of thing. So it's really something that people have latched onto this ship as someone that they can identify with just as much as the humans on the team. Right. And there's also that, that certain attraction like Serenity, where it's not this big battle cruiser with weapons you know, all over the place. It's by all accounts, it's a smaller vessel. It, you know, I mean, certainly it's powerful. Certainly it's got FTL and all that, but it is rather compact. We do get to know most of the ship as, as we go along in the series. Right. I mean, they don't have much of a cargo bay. I believe they do have a land transport that lives in the cargo bay as well. But it's really about what can the ship do? I mean, I just am remembering the episode where they were all on a space station. And I'm probably going to mangle this because it's been a while since I've watched season one. But where Dutch actually had to jump out into space and her nano nanites were helping her stay alive or the, whatever she had been injected with was helping her stay alive right. until she could get to the ship. And Lucy was one of the only reasons they succeeded with that mission. So, and her protectiveness did get them in trouble as well, but at the same time, giving her a personality, I think really made this ship special and makes it feel like much more bounty hunter ish. I mean, you want your bounty hunters to be like Han Solo. And I think the killjoys, are definitely part of that. And just as much uh, a part of the team like Millennium Falcon is for Han Solo, certainly Lucy is that to Dutch and the two brothers. Yep. But you also have an AI to talk about. I do. And I, I have to thank you. I noticed right away you gave me the one you know I'd want to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was never going to steal that one from you. <laughs> and that is, of course, the Andromeda Ascendant from the show Andromeda. And again, it's one of those shows that I don't know how I missed it when it aired. I didn't watch it until, to be quite honest, I don't think I watched it until we started doing Continuum. Oh, really? That's right, because of the Lexadoid connection. Right. And in this case, the Andromeda Ascendant is the name of the ship, and it's a warship of the system's commonwealth. And at the time was regarded as one of the most powerful ships in the known galaxies, also one of the most recognizable ships. They were not going to be able to sneak about without being recognized. But what's so cool here on a lot of different levels for me <laughs> is that the AI has a personality, certainly like Lucy in Killjoys and communicates with the crew, knows the crew, but also comes across basically in three 
different formats because you've got the two-dimensional format when we would see her on one of the computer monitors and we would see her face right of course played by lexa doig as you mentioned then we'd see the 3d holographic version Uh uh-huh but then finally we see the avatar where she interacts with the crew and you forget that she's not a human being but rather an artificial intelligence's avatar Right. And I love how they have it separated into three distinct personalities, the ship itself, the hologram and the android. Right. And I don't want to say that people weren't concerned with shipping angles back then. But <laughs> that said, there were certainly people that were shipping uh, Dylan Hunt, played by Kevin Sorbo, who, who was the captain of the ship and the A.I. Rami, short for andromeda of course the android version right the android version and of course we started to see that rami seemed to be developing feelings for dylan hunt and it was funny that the the we talked about androids in the december podcast and it wasn't until she was placed in a human appearing body that those emotions were ascribed to her so i thought that it was an interesting way of doing it Right. Now, the other thing that I'd forgotten until I started doing a little bit of research about this is that the artificial intelligence of these cruisers were considered officers in their own right on the ship. Now, oh, right. I forgot about that. So, again, you know, when we talk about ships that became personalities, that became actual characters, certainly Andromeda Ascendants right, right there at the list. Exactly. And and I think there's no arguing that the ones that actually manifest personalities are deserving of being on the list, even if they might be a little bit more obscure. But there's one last one that we need to talk about, and you might need to help me with this because I'm a little bit behind on this particular series, shocking as that may be. And that's the TARDIS, which is technically not a spaceship, but definitely travels through space as well as time. We've actually seen it do that. And in the fourth episode of the sixth season, an episode called The Doctor's Wife, the TARDIS actually comes to life. (laughs) Right. And and now you said it's a time machine, but it really, it's also a spacecraft, which makes it unique, you know, in and of itself. Not that we don't have some time traveling episodes in some of these other shows, but usually there's a wormhole involved or (laughs) some other weird phenomenon. Right. And the ship still travels through space in the same visual manner sometimes as it does when it travels through time. But it definitely does that, even though it's not shaped correctly in our mind's eye as what a ship would appear like. It, it, it definitely is. And of course, on the inside, when they're steering it around, it looks just like a spaceship bridge, uh, just as much as it does a time machine. Right. Now, the other, the other interesting thing with the TARDIS is that somebody might ask, that doesn't know the show. Well, why does it look like a police box? Well, the the TARDIS initially had, I guess we would say, chameleon properties so that it, when it would touch down somewhere, it automatically would blend in with its surroundings. And at the time, it was, I guess, in some downtown London street or whatever, turned itself into a police box. But then something happened and it wasn't able to then change its appearance anymore so it's kind of like stuck as a police box <laughs> even even though everything else seems to work fine exactly and that's what makes it so unusual because even if the doctor's wife episode had not happened it still would be 
considered to be a, a ship with a personality, the way the doctor interacts with it, talks to it, cajoles it, and everything like that. But it shouldn't surprise anyone that there was an episode in which the matrix of the Dr. Stardust is removed and placed in the body of a woman named Idris, played by Saran Jones, who basically helps them escape in that particular episode. This was something that seems like an obvious choice to have as an episode. And it actually won a few awards. It got the Ray Bradbury award for outstanding dramatic presentation and the Hugo award for best dramatic presentation short form as well. And with good reason. Now I admit I have not seen this episode because I'm a little bit before that in my watching. I'm, I'm in season five right now, uh, slowly making my way through it, but some good performances all around. And with my personal favorite doctor, Matt Smith, while Amy Pond was still the companion. One of my favorite combos. <laughs> right. And then, you know, just finally, the other thing that I think strikes at the heart of a, a ship having a personality, while the doctor certainly can input coordinates for the ship to go time and place, there are also times when the ship had a mind of its own and the TARDIS would take the doctor where the doctor needed to be. Right. Well, yeah, that that cannot be left out. The fact that it would do that is just like a character would do. And yeah, that's a very, very good point. It's not just this one episode. And I think it definitely deserves to be on the list, this list because of that. And it should be said, we did have a long list when we first started making this and it was pared down to these six. And we want to mention a couple of honorable mentions to ships that also kind of fit into this category. This is also known as the, what were you morons thinking? list. <laughs> this is the CYA, just in case our listeners mention it. You got to go with the USS Enterprise from Star Trek, of course, because that definitely developed a character of its own as well over the years, just from sheer uh, <laughs> being on the air so much. And I have to actually say the expanse, even though it's one season old, just like uh, some of the other ones that we talked about, the, Rosinante is starting to get that same Firefly-esque personality. And then the Raza on Dark Matter, that's just as old as Killjoys. It's a, it just finished its second season. And that kind of has that same bounty hunter feel that Killjoys has. Right. Although it, it, it's sort of a step up in quality of the ship, which is also cool. And then there's, of course, the whole other storyline that's totally different, but and the AI from that ship is the Android, which is completely separate from the ship. She right. kind of upstages the ship a little bit. Right. And then finally, of course, how could we leave off Battlestar Galactica, Dave? Well, that's true. <laughs> you know, and, and that was the first thing I said to you when I saw the list as you had typed it up. And I thought more about your response to me. And, and I do think you're right in that. I mean, Galactica was one of many of this kind of ship so that on the one hand it was unique in that it was the only ship that survived. And I guess it was certainly cool that the reason it survived is because it wasn't online. Yeah, that was, that was a cool aspect, but it didn't make it a character. Right. So that's why we left it off the list, but th definitely those four ships deserve some honorable mentions and we're going to keep this going. Uh, the super six each month, we'll give you our list of, our favorites, not necessarily ranked, no particular order, just the ones that Dave and I have an affection for or think are good examples of whatever the topic is. So I think that'll be a good way to to unite the 12 episodes for 2017. Sounds good to me. Looking forward to it. 
All right. And of course, that's true. That did end up being a tradition that carried on throughout the podcast in seasons two, three, and four, which just ended. So we'll continue to do our Super Six topic in season five as well, because it's been very successful. One of my favorite forms of the podcast that we've done. So have a lot of great topics on the way for you. But that's going to be it for this edition of Sci-Fi Fidelity. Keep the discussion going on social media. You can follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US. And we are at Sci-Fi Fidelity. And in the meantime, we'd love it if you could rate and review this podcast wherever you access it. And be sure to send us your suggestions for future topics, especially the Super 6, on social media or in an email to sci-fi fidelity at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you next time for another bonus episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.